1: Friday night, Assembly Bible Study and Fellowship. Appreciate all you folks being there tonight. Hope your week went well. I apologize for not being here Monday night, but it was a physical impossibility to do a program um, this past Monday night. My health would not allow it, so I apologize. But we're here tonight, praise the Lord, and um, we're going to get started in the last eight chapters of Ezekiel. So far, and everybody, I hope you wish everybody's glad to see Brother Chad back, and know that him and Sister Maureen had a great time, and that was, it's a blessing to have him back in the saddle with us again tonight as well. Um, I should have started this whole subject, this whole subject matter, and the in in. in in the mid twenties in Ezekiel, the twenties when it's dealing with the cities, I'm going to, I'm going to lay out a little bit of where we've come from to where we're at. And then, um, get brother Dave, brother. I want brother David to read a email that I got from brother Joe. I know none of y'all ever hear from me. Always says to talk to tell y'all hello and everything. So I'm going to let brother uh, Dave read the email I got from brother Joe in Vancouver today. And, um, by the way now that we're recording in case the ones wasn't weren't in the chat room uh before the program brother leonard thank you very much god bless you brother you and your whole family and um brother holler it was good to get your email i'm glad we connected through email and when you get a telephone i'll be it'll be a blessing to hear from you brother whenever you call and um uh, just wanted to get that out there and uh I appreciate all, it, it's an honor and a blessing. I think about it all the time sometimes when I'm moaning and groaning around myself, me and the devil and the Lord talking, battling things out. It's a privilege to have y'all here. It is an honor, it is purely an honor and a privilege to have people to teach and preach to. And I am I, I am so honored and blessed to have you here. It's, it's my privilege, it's my honor it's just it's awesome, and I thank you people for taking the time out of taking time out of your life, your love for the Lord Jesus Christ, your interest in the Word of God, and to spend it here with us and I know that Brother Kevin and brother david and and um Brother Chad all agree with that right there as well it's, it's Amen. a blessing to see Amen. You. it's a blessing to see you here tonight and it, and it's our privilege as your servants. To do what we can to increase to for our fellowship together and to increase our to increase our knowledge in in the book and in our wonderful Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Hallelujah! But anyway, we back as if we would have started back in chapters in the um, in chapters twenty five, twenty six, twenty seven. Ezekiel, the Lord brings him through dealing with historical cities like. Tyre, Babylon, and he talks about destructions and, and gives Ezekiel um, warnings on what's going to happen to them in the past. But it's also a look into the future about the cities that are that are things that are going to happen to the fu- future, like Mystery Babylon the Great. You can correlate the two together. Um, as far as Tyre goes, it's been... There's been many people speculate that Tyre is um, New York City. As as well as they've said, Babylon is New York City. And you can can quibble and quabble over all that, back and forth all you want to, whatever opinion you come up with. As long as you make the word of as long as the word of God will fit your doctrine without you having to rest the scriptures, that's fine. You can believe whichever one in the city, whichever one it is you want to believe it is. But it deals with all those cities. And the chronology brings you all the way through as you get into 30s, and it deals with Egypt, which is a type of the whole world, which that's what the Lord's going to do. He's going to bring judgment on the whole world. And in chapter 30, 31, then 32, and 33, when it starts talking about Pharaoh and Egypt and it's talking about the historical application plus the prophetical application as well. That's where we got into the netherworld, in the chapters there, talking about Tubal and um, about Tubal and Meshach, and we find out they're in the nether parts of the earth. Watch everybody out here, like we were talking about before the program started. That's the biblical name for the hollow earth. There's different chambers: Abraham's bosom, the, be it the, the Abuso, or the bottomless pit. And then there's hell. But it's all encompassed inside the nether parts of the earth. And that's why that that subject is starting to catch fire, as we were talking about before the program started. For all you downloaders, that subject is um, is starting to catch fire among Bible students. It's not a bunch of, it's not to the people that talk about the same two or three words, 24-7, seven days a week, 365 days a year. But it is to people that's seeking biblical truth, especially here in the latter days and in the end time. But as we go through 30, 31, 32, and 33, we deal with the nether parts of the earth. It talks about Pharaoh, Pharaoh being a type of the beast. Taught those people are important. Those nations are important. Prophetically, they're important. Historically, yes, that happened. They got put away. A certain bunch of them got put away and carried their ant- We went over it the other night. We ran references on it in Revelation. They carried their armor with them. We went to Joel. We saw about this army that comes up out of the earth, this mighty army. That's just what people call this locust army, so called we saw about we mentioned about the supernatural aspect of everything how things um the demographics of of what's being seen on television the movies, and how the most the most popular things that people are starting to watch are the supernatural stuff, the superhumans the monsters the the genetic monstrosities, the hybrids. This is not, the hybrid stuff, this is not science fiction, folks. This hybridization program it has been going on for a long time and it's, 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 it's being accepted little by little by little, like cooking the old frog, the old ad nauseum adage of cooking the frog in the water turn up the heat a little bit at the time. And the God of this world knows what he's doing, okay? And people will accept it more and more and more. All you got to do is put a white robe doctor, claim he's a doctor, and put a white robe on him of a medical profession and, and say, oh, it's going to help save some baby's life. And people will accept it right and left, not giving any thought to the other side. This CRISPR stuff, dealing with genetic manipulation. Working with the DNA, the very essence of man. Every bit of that's got to do with what you see in the Word of God. No wonder during the Renaissance era and the time that historicism rose to its height, no wonder they thought uh, that this was allegorical when naturalism took over supernaturalism, when the worldview went from a supernatural worldview to a naturalistic worldview, no wonder they thought what they thought, reading about this this so-called monstrosities. Well, this must be in John's imagination in the book of Revelation or Ezekiel or, or Isaiah or some of these prophets that talk about some of this stuff fiery flying serpents in the nether parts of the earth, under the ground. You can understand why people thought what they thought. But little by little, just you can lie, love him, or hate him, Newton prophesied the time would come that this period of time would happen. I posted his uh, his statements before in the program. I know Brother David can't probably hadn't got it where he could put it in there, but he prophesied that eventually people were going to understand that this historic's view was not the correct view, and that the things talked about that had happened historically would happen again. Now I'm paraphrasing now, okay? And they downgrade the future is so bad. And then the futures get to the point where they forget the historical application and they go too far one way and the other bunch goes too far the other way. And what you have is a mess. The right position is in the center letting the word of God be the final authority and judge on the whole thing. God plainly tells you that that which has been is going to be again, and He requires that which is past. And we started the, the whole series off when I started teaching this topic, and we did this series. In other words, to, to argue, you want to argue with that? You got to argue with God's word. He requires that which is past, and 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 this genetic thing is, folks, it's going to affect everybody. It's already affecting everybody. The food that you eat out of the grocery store has been genetically modified with no concern for what the long-term effects are going to be. No concern. It's just here and now, what makes me happy here and now, that's all that matters. Totally anti-biblical. Anti- common
3: sense as well.
1: So we've gone through all those for we've gone through the nether parts of the earth and I recommend that you do some study on the nether parts of the earth. I've challenged you I've challenged y'all all the time to deal, to go and see if the Lord would show you some stuff that He hadn't shown me. I mean it hadn't it hadn't been but about 9 or 10 years that he that he that he opened up a little bit this this nether parts of the earth thing to me. And not not that long till he opened up this Tupel and Meshach deal having to do with the supernatural aspect of the war of Gog and Magog. It hadn't been that long till he started putting the scriptures together forming with that putting them together correctly in a proper context not with assumption and guessing and thinking and hoping, but with the Word of God, letting the Word of God interpret itself. So now we've gotten through the battle of Gog and Magog. We've gone gone through God's resurrection of the whole house of Israel in 36 and 37. We've been told point blank, their king will be David. We've been told they'd be given hearts of, fle- hearts, hearts of flesh. God would put their law in their heart, in, in their hearts of flesh. They'd be given skin, bones. In other words, to cut to the chase, they'd be given natural bodies. That's the whole house of Israel. You say, what's that got to do with anything? It takes care of the verses in Isaiah chapter 45 and Romans chapter 11. That people have so much trouble with all Israel shall be saved. How's that possible as we, when we finish chapter forty eight I'm going to take you and show you three chapters in Isaiah that'll deal that'll show you God dealing with some of his own chosen seed in a bad way there's three chapters in Isaiah where he doesn't there 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 are some Israelites that don't get it to. Too good in the natural. Now, don't let me forget that, guys, when we finish Ezekiel chapter 48. But from now, from starting here, in Ezekiel's vision, we're going to deal with this temple. And it's going, and it's, it's, there's long, they're long chapters, they're boring. We're going to switch up, Brother Dave and Brother Chad, both reading because it, 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 but they're so detailed. Some people tried to say that this, oh, this is just the New Jerusalem. No, it's not. The measurements are not the same. So it can't be the same. This is a temple. This is a Jerusalem built on the earth. Terra firma. This is not the New Jerusalem. There's no way it could be. The people that inhabit this, this, this Jerusalem here will be Israelites and non-Israelites, as we'll get to later on in chapter 47. And it'll be a special place for them as God has something special for them as well, just like he has something special for east not Esau, but Ishmael. But not the top dogs. The top dog is God's chosen. Don't never lose sight of that. And the real top dog is Jesus Christ's bride. If you wanted to technically put it down without having to go back, and de- um, going back to Hosea and going to the earlier chapters of Ezekiel, just to lay it out there, you can go look it up yourself which I know some of you will now that I know some of your actual Bible students, like Brother Holler, that actually study, really studies. The other people that I don't know their name, I don't know whether you study or not. You may just come on here for entertainment. I don't know. But to just lay it out, God, the soulish God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy, Holy Ghost, that these three are one, God the Father's bride is natural Israel whom he wrote a bill of divorcement for whom he could not marry back until she died and he died just like the law could not go against the law because the law said except the widow the woman could only only marry if her husband be dead. Well, Jesus Christ was God manifest in the flesh. He died, so he would be, he was able to take her back as a bride. Now I'm gonna stop right there. That's God. Natural Israel is the wife of God the Father. The bride in the New Testament is the is the wife of Jesus, the Virgin Bride, as a chaste virgin. Is Jesus Christ bride? God the Son. Now boiling it all down and just short, go study it out yourself. Don't let nobody's opinion, my opinion either. Don't believe me. Go study it out. But symbolically that's the way it plays out. We're the bride of Christ. Natural Israel is the bride of God the Father. He chose them out. You you of all the people on earth, you you, you only have I chosen. It says in Deuteronomy 4, I didn't choose you because you were the most people. I chose you because you were the fewest people on the earth. It's because we were the last ones put here. That's why. We are the minority today. We've always been the minority People are so wrapped up in their in their Amero, uh, north Americacentric world world view that they think that, that they, they think that oh, we must be the majority because they, the world keeps talking about oh the minorities, out here the minorities, they're not the minorities, they're the
3: majority.
1: Seven eight years ago, we were seven percent of the world's population. I'm talking about white people. There's no telling what it is today. I don't know. If you know if you can trust if you can trust what um you read you, the the demographics that you read you find on the internet. I think it was seven point seven, but that was eight nine years ago. It's lower now because everything has been pushed on the the stupid white people. For birth control, to quit having a bunch of kids like we were told to have. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of kids. That's a paraphrase out of the Book of Proverbs. Birth control pills, you know, it's they they tried the G tries to make you think, oh, it's to it's to keep down the minority. Minority, my tail. They're the majority. The people, the color, the blue gum, the cheek, that whole bunch, they're the majority folks. We are the minority, and we're going to get smaller and smaller and smaller, and we're uh, we're being encompassed about by the enemy, by the heathen, and that's what the Lord tells you, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> in ezekiel thirty eight and thirty nine when he comes in and wipes out that bunch i told you also and showed you in the Scripture that this war in 38 and 39 of Ezekiel compared it to the war called Gog and Magog at the end of the millennial reign don't sound the same.
3: It may be.
1: But there's a war before the war in Revelation, in chapter 19, before the war of Gog and Magog. You've got a war before the wrath, the day of the wrath of God, the day of the Lord that takes place, when the wrath of God's poured out on an unbelieving world, and then after a thousand years of millennial reign, you have, when Satan's was loose for a while, then you have another war, and it's called Gog and Magog as well. I'm sure that if somebody studied and got deeper they would find the differences linguistically somewhere or another to where you could where these these two wars could be divided because they just ain't they don't line up the same. Somebody might say you say, Well maybe there's just different details in Ezekiel thirty eight and thirty nine than there is in Revelation. Chapter twenty. No, that's not true. Because after the war in thirty eight and thirty nine, we're fixing to see that there's a, that Jerusalem is restored. And we're going to get all the details that comes up with that. Where in Revelation chapter twenty we see that there's a judge the judgment takes place and then there's a new heaven and a new earth, and it ain't the same. See, there's problems. I haven't got all the problems figured out. I don't claim to, but I've got you on the correct doctrinal path. Maybe the Spirit of God can show you in the scripture somewhere where I
3: missed. That
1: will put it all together, where it'll all fit like a glove, where there won't be any any questions about anything. But I'm taking you as far as I can. I'm pushing you out on the edge. I, I've told you this for five years. I'm pushing pushing you out on the edge of the limb. I'm not. I'm not. I'm because if you stay under my teaching and preaching, I will push you out to the edge of the limb. That's where the fruit's at. I'm not. Well, I won't allow you. If you honestly want to study under me, I won't allow you to stay by next to the trunk of the tree where it's safe. I'll push you out toward the end of the limb, 'cause that's where all the apples and fruits at. That's where you can grow. Just staying close to the trunk, just you know, raising your family and taking care of ain't hotty totty and raising your kids and sending them to college and going to church. Three times a week, and our Father, which art in heaven, and all that 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 ain't that's not that's not being a soldier of Jesus Christ if you are a new creature in Christ, and that's all you're doing, you're staying close to the trunk, and you will be rewarded as such and When I talk about reward, Brother Dave did a good thing the other night when we talk about that, it's not for you to be greedy about. That's not that's not what it's about for you to look like look, oh look how well all I'm gonna have on on the other side. No, it's that's not got anything to do with greed and covetousness. The bare fact is the more fruits you have shows how much more you how much you love the Lord. Your love for the Lord Jesus Christ will eventually determine your amount of reward. You can't have one without the other.
3: At the judgment
1: of the nations which will take place some some period of time, probably uh, at the end of the millennium or some period of time in between, the judgment of the goat and sheep nations, do you realize what they're rewarded for? The sheep nations... When God separates them, their reward is for taking care of the Israelites during the time of trouble, feeding them, clothing them, helping them out. The nations that took care of Israel is rewarded. The goat nations, the ones that didn't, we're gonna find out. I'm talking about individual Christians, I'm not talking about taking care of a nation like the Judeo Christians sucker fish you into that I wasted thousands of dollars on in my early Christian life thinking I was getting a blessing. No, it's talking about individually because Christ is in you and you're in him. It's talking about loving your brother as yourself. That's where I want you to go, Brother Chad, Matthew 25. Matthew. i got oh,
4: what? Oh, I thought you said, uh, Romans or uh, Revelation.
1: No, well, okay, brother Dave. Matthew chapter twenty-five, start okay. around verse thirty, and I'll show you what I'm talking about. And I'm, and you and you wonder about where um, these people get this idea that people are saved by works. This is where they get. It. This is one of the places they get it, folks. There are people that get through by doing good things. Then this is a good example right here. They'll all come to this. They don't have a clue what they're talking about because they don't know what it's talking about, where, where you're supposed to place it in the timeline of history and, do, and have it doctrinally correct and rightly divided. That's where they drop the ball. See, you can't have two verses that Contradict. Because there's no such thing as contradiction in Scripture. You haven't got them placed in the right place, in the right context. You haven't kept kept it contextually pure in the right subject in the right period of time if you, if you run across what you think is a contradiction. And you can't have one without the other, folks. You cannot have, for by grace you say through faith and that and of yourselves, it's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You can't have that and faith without works is dead. They that they, they don't they don't mix doctrinally. The just shall live by faith. Nothing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. He that endureth to the end, the same shall be saved. All those verses that these people want to run to to contradict the dispensation of the grace of God, all they've done, they, they, they don't know how to study their Bible. Number one, most of them don't even have a Bible, they've got a comic book that don't even have the command to rightly divide the book to start with. Once you take that out, nobody knows what to do. And they sure don't obey Isaiah twenty eight, nine and ten. Or eight and nine, I always get that mixed up. Nine ten. Nine and ten. Got it right the first time. Well praise the Lord. But anyway, Amen. they don't obey that. They don't obey what? Even the way the the pure the book tells you to study. And I'm going to show you. First of all, brother Dave. Um, no, I've got you in Matthew, brother. Brother Chad, I want you to start in verse five, chapter did twenty-two. You, um,
2: did you want me to read brother Joe's email first?
1: Yes, or? in just a second. Just okay. a second. I want to get this out of the way first.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, brother Chad, I want you to start in chapter twenty-two of Revelation, and I want you to read verses six through nine. Now, folks, I want you to watch this close. People wonder, because the next verse we're going to, I'm going to show you where we where, a lot, where we pop up at. Don't forget it tells you we're going to judge angels and we're going to judge the world, us Christians, the bride of Christ. Don't forget that, 1 Corinthians 5, first couple of verses, three verses. Well, you've got to be in a position to be able to do that. You've got to have already been judged yourself to be in a position to judge others. Especially if you're going to judge angels and you're going to judge the rest of the world. Okay? So keep that in mind. As we read these verses, I'm going to show you something. Go ahead, Brother Chad.
4: Revelation 22 and 6. And he said unto me, these sayings are faithful and true.
1: Back up and the one Lord. Ver- one, Back up a couple of verses further. Verse 4. And then dark. And
4: verse 4. And they shall see his face and his name shall be in their foreheads. And there shall be no night there and they need no candle neither light of the sun for the Lord God giveth them light and they shall reign forever and ever. And he said unto me these sayings are faithful and true and the Lord God of the
1: holy prophets sent his
4: angel to show unto his servants the things which must shortly
1: be done. And what? Who did he send? Uh, He sent his angel. Okay. Y'all keep that in mind. Go
4: ahead. Keep on reading. Behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the prophecy of this book. And I, John, saw these things and heard them. And when I had heard and seen, I fell down to worship before the feet. Of the angel, read that. Showed,
1: read that, read that, read that again, and folks, listen to what he just said. Verse
4: eight. And I, John, saw these things and heard them. And when I had heard and seen, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel
1: which showed me these things. The feet of the angel. Continue reading.
4: Then said he unto me, See thou do it not. For I am thy fellow servant, and of thy brethren, the prophets.
1: Do what? Yes. Yes. Do what? He's an angel, but yet he tells John he's of his brethren, the prophets. Uh He's got a glorified body. He's got a new angelic-like body. It probably is Daniel,
0: who it probably is.
1: If you, That's just a guess. The reason I say that is because Daniel got his butt kicked by the Lord, got thrown a dead lines for allowing Nebuchadnezzar to bow down and worship him. <laughs> so that's just a guess. But the point I'm trying to make is the angel that's showing himself is a prophet, one of the old prophets one of the prophets, of thy brethren the prophets, was natural, no more natural, but John says is an angel. Okay, Brother Dave, I want you to Matthew 25, start in verse... 31? Um, 31.
0: 31,
1: that'll be fine, yeah.
2: Okay. Matthew 25, verse 31, When the Son of Man shall come in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory. And before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats.
1: Okay, did you hear who's coming with the Lord? The angels. All. Doesn't it say all?
2: All holy angels.
1: All his holy angels, that's absolutely correct. And now let's let's watch this judgment. Go ahead, brother.
2: Yes, verse 33. And he shall set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats
1: on the left. Different kind of nations. Sheep nations and goat nations. You say, oh, praise God, one's Israelites and other's heathens. Really? Let's see if that's what he says. Okay, let's watch. Go ahead, brother.
2: Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, come ye blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world.
1: Let's see why they get in their kingdom. let's see if they trusted the blood of Jesus Christ, and the new creature was born, and they, they, they become a new creature and let's see let's see if anything New Testament at all is these done to get saved let's let's check it out, go ahead, Brother Dave.
2: for I was and hungered, and ye gave me meat. I was thirsty, and ye gave me drink. I was a stranger, and ye took me in. Naked, and ye clothed me. I was sick, and ye visited me. I was in prison, and ye came unto me. Then shall the righteous...
1: Now now what? This is a kicker right here. This is a trip. This is where all these these false doctrine heathens out there don't have a clue. They don't have a clue. If they really believed it, They don't even believe it their because they don't let them do it. I want you to watch who these are. Go ahead, brother.
2: Verse 37. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee and hungered and fed thee, or thirsty and gave thee drink? When saw we thee a stranger and took thee in, or naked and clothed thee? Or when saw we thee sick? or in prison, and came unto thee. And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, ye have done it unto me.
1: Did you hear what he just said? Each Christian, by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, Christ and you, the hope of glory. Jesus Christ lives in you. When, Jesus, when God sees you, he sees Jesus Christ,
3: the righteousness of God.
1: For he made him to be sin, who you know sin. May him to be sin for us, who you know sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Little Christies, as the Germans used to call Christians. Little Christ. Read that again, Brother Dave.
2: And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, ye have done it unto me.
1: And now I want you to ask yourself, do you understand the two great commandments now?
3: Do they ring home a little bit truer to you now? Remember what this part this what
1: remember what the context of this whole thing is. The whole chapter what the context of it is. It it seems like to me it's the kingdom of heaven. Am I right, brother brother Chad? Isn't it the kingdom of heaven? I would say it is, yes. That tells you in the first verse. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Go ahead, Brother Dave.
2: Okay, verse 41. Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels.
1: Watch what they say.
2: For I was in hungered, and ye gave me no meat. I was thirsty, and ye gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and ye took me not in, naked, and ye clothed me not, and in prison, and ye visited me not. Then shall they also answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee and hungered, or a thirst, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister unto thee? Then shall he answer them, saying, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye did it not to one of the least of these, ye did it not to me.
1: Y'all got that. You understand that? You want to spend the next two hours be spend two hours breaking down each one of those things into Christian spiritual Christian doctrine? And you worry and you you, you and you you those everything there is works, 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 works. Remember, in Revelation, it talks about that remnant that keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ.
2: Yes.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Different set of dogs, folks. That's why I went through that whole thing about covenant relationship, different covenants how covenant could be not in effect yet, but be be ready to go in effect. See, Christ's blood fixed all the covenants, made arrangement for all for the sins of the whole world, but the co- our covenant God and his covenants are not necessarily in effect yet. That's what you're fixing to find out in these last chapters of Ezekiel. That's why it's so important you understand. That's why I've done this this study. That's why when you run across these people that try to throw you under a work salvation, you know scripturally and doctrinally the correct position to put where to put them, where to take them, and what to show them. Every solitary, there's no faith involved in a solitary thing. Every bit of that was do, 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 do. Was it not, Brother David? Yes, it
2: certainly was. And the last verse says, And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: And you know
2: what we were talking about earlier, I had often thought this in line with that. You know, we have our brothers who, God bless them, have a yearning for God, I will say, but they do not know the New Testament. They do not know how to be born again, and they're not even doing this.
1: That's right. Oh. Then la- Those three, Ezekiel chapter 60, Ezekiel chapter 61, 62, 63, 64, and 65, and 66, has those Israelites in it. That's what I was referring to earlier. When I said at the end of chapter 48 of Ezekiel, I'd take you and show you those Israelites that absolutely reject the truth, reject the Son, their punishment. They wind up being part of the goat nations. That's some of them. And it plainly tells you that that the Lord will have nothing to do with them in Ezekiel. I mean in Mm -hmm. Isaiah.
4: Isaiah,
1: yes. And Isaiah. Now, folks, that's context and context with same. That's context with context, line upon line. That's using the word of God like it's supposed to be used. Scripture with Scripture, letting the Scripture interpret itself. Those that endure to the end, the same shall be saved. What do they have to endure? They have to endure doing everything they're supposed to do. People don't just come out of nowhere with this doctrine about you got to work to be saved. They don't come out. They're not. They're not just pulling that out of thin air. They got scripture for it, but they said they applied the wrong place to the wrong people at the wrong time, under the wrong covenant. Do you realize under the covenant of Hebrews? And of, of, of Jeremiah thirty three, that if you go around saying the um, here's the Lord or talking about the Lord, that, you, that if your child does it, you're supposed to run them through. It tells you that in Zechariah. Tells you it, it tells you that everybody will know the Lord from the least to the greatest at that time. There won't be no witnessing going on. There won't be no reason to witness. There won't be no faith involved. He's in full view of everybody that wants to see him. There's no grace through faith there.
3: It's works.
1: And all those angels that were with there with him, that's us. How do you know that? i just give you two examples. And the other examples in Matthew 22, where the Lord tells the Pharisees when they're busting him about marriage, he said they are as the angels in heaven in the resurrection. Does it not say that, Brother Chad?
4: Uh, Yes, it does. (laughs) Of course it does.
1: Of course it does. So put that in your pipe. And smoke on that one a while. Because we're fixing to get into a worse situation again with natural Israelites in the last eight chapters of Ezekiel. Then it'll make more sense to you. Now you should be starting to understand why nobody will touch it. They can't reconcile it with Hebrews. They don't know where to put it. They don't know the, coven- the about the covenants. They don't know about the, the, the total covenant that's got the little bitty covenants that hadn't taken effect yet, that have not started yet. But they're covered by the blood of Christ. That's why we're a special bunch. That's the reason I've told you from the very beginning my opinion that the bride of Christ is nothing more than restocking of the third of the angels that fell originally with Lucifer. Once that third is restored and restocked, those elect angels oh you did know there were the elect angels. You did know that, right? And if you didn't, you can find it in First Timothy. The elect angels, yes. Once that number, once the bride is completed, then a whole different ball game kicks in. And we're fixing to see about that ball game right now. Ezekiel chapter 40, Brother Chad, start in verse 1.
4: Okay. Ezekiel wow.
1: chapter 40.
4: In the 5 and 20th year of our captivity, in the beginning of the year... Oh, one moment. Uh, take, uh, take the word to the Father in prayer. Heavenly Father.
1: Oh, yes, and before you even pray... I forgot about Brother Joe's letter. Go ahead, Brother David. I'm sorry. I've got so many irons in the fire. I'm trying to go too fast.
2: Yes. Okay. Uh, This is from Brother Joe, and he asked, I would like for you to read this email. And it says as follows, Bro Don, thanks for the Ezekiel teaching. Much to ponder. I 100% agree with you. The book does indeed rule the world, as you have oft said now. I get that. I, I get that. I didn't at first. That happens from time to time. You will say something. I won't totally get the deeper truth about what you said, but the light switch comes on later. Please pray for Allison, an unknown white gal I met in a coffee shop. I gave her your talk shoe info. I'll probably never see her again. Also, my phone number was a former suicide hotline. No kidding. A woman called me uh, this morning and thought she was calling that number. Anyway, I told her to check out Don Spears' talk shoe. So, even though I forgot her name, probably was not a coincidence, Question: Do you think a person who is not aware of the truth of our identity, like we are, are part of the bride? I'm asking because I know the elect cannot be deceived. Regards. Give my warm regards to the lads. That's Amen. Brother Joe Amen.
1: telling all y'all hello. I want Amen. to. Hear. Amen. He's telling hey, all the folks in the chat room and everything, hello. He he prays for y'all all the time. Anyway, brother, thank you.
0: Brother. I,
1: I, thank I you. Love you, brother Joe, and I appreciate that email, brother. Brother, uh, Chad, if you would open us in a word of prayer, man, don't forget yes. to pray for Allison as well.
4: Yes, Heavenly Father, thank you for the blessing of this assembly, Lord, and thank you for your your precious book and your the completed canon and your perfect inherent word that you've given us lord that we're able to come to it tonight and we ask that you forgive us of uh, of any unrepented sins that we have in us right now lord uh, make us a clean slate and let the holy spirit do the teaching and the listening lord show us what we, what we need to know lord reprove us rebuke us and regenerate us lord if there's anyone here that's that's listening that hasn't uh accepted the free gift of salvation through your precious blood lord let let that be uh let, that, let, that, let your words work through them, Lord. As you said, your words will not return in vain. We thank you for Brother Joe, Lord, that he's... Uh, we thank you for his his letter, Lord, his email that Brother Dave read. Lord, it's a blessing. And we thank you for everyone that's in the chat room and that's going to download this at another time, Lord. We pray for, for Allison that uh, Joe met in the coffee shop there in Vancouver, Lord. And if there's any way that sounds like Brother Joe's at, uh, he's he's preaching the the word Lord, we pray for brother Joe that that you uh you do good work in him yes, lord. and that you give him the power of prophecy and the power of witnessing and and uh help him in in his ministry that it be for you lord and that it be according to your will help us all lord we uh thank you for your precious blood and to do good work in this lord and whoever that girl was that called him on the helpline lord we pray for her as well uh yes, Lord. The one that thought that maybe it was a suicide line. We uh we pray for uh my driver today, Jerry, Lord, that his family be saved, Lord, and that they uh that your words do good work in him, Lord. So uh, you know I you know I, I gave him a whole bunch, so pray for uh Jerry that he gets saved and his family as well, Lord. And uh, uh thank you for your precious uh blood, Lord, and your finished work at Calvary. In your precious name, we pray. Amen.
1: Amen. 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 Brother Sergio also sends his love to all of y'all too. I'll go ahead and do that as well. Amen, yeah. brother. Brother Sergio is always praying for y'all. He and he don't make it to the programs, but I talk to him on the phone regularly, and he sends his love to all of y'all. Thank so, you, brother. Absolutely. Amen. absolutely.
4: Amen. Thank you. Absolutely. So
1: Ezekiel Amen. chapter forty, verse one, brother Chad.
4: Amen. And I'll tell you. Those prayers, they work. They help.
1: <laughs> thank,
4: thank you, guys, brother Dave, brother Don, brother Sergio, yes. brother Joe, all you guys. Oh my goodness, all you guys and gals, love you so much. All right, Ezekiel chapter forty, in the fifth and twentieth year of our captivity, in the beginning of the year, in the tenth day of the month, in the fourteenth year after that the city was smitten, in the self same day the hand of the Lord was upon me and brought me thither. In the visions of God brought he me into the land of Israel and set me upon a very high mountain by which was as the frame of a city on the south. And he brought me thither, and behold, there was a man whose appearance was like the appearance of brass with a line of flax in his hand and a measuring reed, and he stood in the gate. And the man said unto me, Son of man, behold, with thine eyes and hear with thine ears And set thine heart upon all that I show thee, for to the intent that I might show them unto thee thou, thee art thou brought hither. Declare all that thou seest to the house of Israel. And behold, a wall on the outside of the house round about, and in the man's hand the measuring reed of six cubits long, by the cubit of an hand breadth. So he measured the breadth of the building, one reed, and the height one reed. Then came he unto the gate, which looketh toward the east and went up the stairs thereof, and measured the threshold of the gate, which was one reed broad, and the other threshold of the gate, which was one reed broad. And every little chamber was one reed long and one reed broad. And between the little chambers were five cubits. And the threshold of the gate by the porch of the gate Within was one reed. He measured also the porch of the gate within, one reed. Then measured he the porch of the gate, eight cubits. And the post thereof, two cubits. And the porch of the gate was inward. And the little chambers of the gate eastward were three on this side and three on that side. They three were one measure. And the posts had one measure on this side and on that side and he measured the breadth of the entry of the gate, 10 cubits, and the length of the gate, 13 cubits. The space also before the little chambers was one cubit on this side, and the space was one cubit on that side. And the little chambers were six cubits on this side and six cubits on that side. He measured then the gate from the roof of one little chamber to the roof of another. The breadth was five and 20 cubits, door against door. He made also posts of three score cubits, even unto the post of the court round about the gate. And from the face of the gate of the entrance unto the face of the porch of the inner gate were fifty cubits. And there were narrow windows in the little chambers, and to their posts within the gate round about, and likewise to the arches. And windows were round about inward, and upon each post were palm trees. Then... This is verse 17. Then brought he me into the outward court. And lo, there were chambers, and a pavement made for the court round about. Thirty chambers were upon the pavement. And the pavement by the side of the gates over against the length of the gates was the lower pavement. Then he measured the breadth from the forefront of the lower gate unto the forefront of the inner court without and hundred cubits eastward and northward. And the gate of the outward court that looked toward the north, he measured the length thereof and the breadth thereof. And the little chambers thereof were three on this side and three on that side. And the post thereof and the arches thereof were after the measure of the first gate. And the length thereof was 50 cubits and the breadth five and 20 cubits. And their windows and their arches and their palm trees were after the measure of the gate that looketh toward the east. And they went up into it by seven steps. And the archers thereof were before them. And the gate of the inner court was over against the gate toward the north and toward the east. And he measured from gate to gate and hundred cubits. After that, he brought me toward the south. And behold, a gate toward the south. And he measured the post thereof and the archers thereof according to these measures. And there were windows in it, and in the arches thereof, round about, like those windows. The length was 50 cubits, and the breadth 5 and 20 cubits. And there were seven steps to go up to it. And the arches thereof were before them. And it had palm trees. One on this side, and another on that side, upon the posts thereof. And there was a gate in the inner court toward the south. And he measured from gate to gate toward the south and 100 cubits. And he brought me to the inner court by the south gate and he measured the south gate according to these measures. And the little chambers thereof and the posts thereof and the arches thereof according to these measures. And there were windows in it and in the arches thereof round about. It was 50 cubits long and five and 20 cubits broad. And the arches round about were five and twenty cubits long and five cubits broad. And the arches thereof were toward the utter court, and palm trees were upon the posts thereof, and the going up to it had eight steps. And he brought me into the inner court toward the east, and he measured the gate according to these measures. And the little chambers thereof, and the posts thereof, and the arches thereof were according to these measures and there were windows therein, and in the arches thereof round about. It was 50 cubits long, and 5 and 20 cubits broad. And the arches thereof were toward the outward court, and palm trees were upon the posts thereof, on this side and on that side, and on going up to it had eight steps. And he brought me to the north gate and measured it according to these measures. The little chamber thereof, the posts thereof, and the arches thereof, and the windows to it round about. The length was 50 cubits and the breadth 5 and 20 cubits. And the posts thereof were toward the utter court and palm trees were upon the posts thereof on this side and on that side and the going up to it had eight steps. And the chambers and the entries thereof were by the posts of the gate where they washed the burnt offering.
1: What? The burnt offering. Hmm. So there's gonna be offerings here. Uh, according to Hebrews, all the offerings is done away with in Christ. Just the first mention, first time I open my mouth. Boring, isn't it? Come on. Boring. Boring, boring, boring. Naturally it's boring. You know why? It's important to God. Every blessed word is important to God. I'm sure there's some deeper spiritual meaning here in all this stuff that he hasn't read. he'll reveal to us one day, but he never revealed it to anybody that I know of lately or in the past that I've ever read. The main gist is what we're going to get to, but when you run across like reading chronicles and you read all those genealogies, the reason so much of the Word of God is boring cause life is mostly boring routine. routine not every it's not it's not not every chapter is about a uh the netherworld and about genetic mutations and about the you know the biblical cosmology we have to put we have to do the the the, the boring things in life as well as we have to learn to deal with the exciting things in life, because, folks, it is definitely boring. But I just want to tell you that's what God 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 tests us. We'll read. Will we read every word, or will we skip every word? Because it says every word of God is pure. Every word. So we're going to read it. Go ahead, brother.
4: <laughs> that made me smile, brother. Uh I was thinking of the, uh, somewhere there's a saved brother in Christ. is reading this, and he's like, wow, he's an architect.
0: Right? He's <laughs> yeah. going, so he's
4: going through Genesis 6, and he's like, I don't know, about this is a little bit wild uh, over my head. He comes to Ezekiel 40, and he's like, this is my stuff, man. This is it. <laughs> yep, amen, brother yeah. Noah's Ark and the Temple
0: yeah. Let's read it
4: Yeah. Yeah. That's some good stuff, man Ezekiel chapter 40 verse, uh, well, 238 again And the chambers and the entries thereof were by the post of the gate where they washed the burnt offering And in the porch of the gate were two tables on this side and two tables on that side to slay thereon the burnt offering and the sin offering, and the trespass offering. The what? The sin offering, and the trespass offering.
1: The sin offering, and the trespass offering. You now, you understanding now why nobody deals with this?
4: <laughs> Yay, man. Uh-huh.
1: They won't touch you with a ten-foot pole. Because Hebrews absolutely contradicts everybody. Because they don't put the covenants and stuff in the right place to the right people at the right time. They don't rightly divide the book. That's what I've led. I've built the whole thing up for y'all to understand this. You're going to find out this temple not only is a temporary temple, it's only mentioned one time in the book of Revelation. And it talks about that outer, outer gate is for Gentiles. I forget what chapter in Revelation that's in. Do you know where that's at, Brother David? It's uh, it's in the first two verses of uh, chapter 10, 11, 12, 13, 1. I, I forget which one it is, but it's okay. Just, just go check me out, okay, folks? It's just one little line or two of it, and that's it. it talks about that outer gate you just got through talking about because that temple in, in, in Revelation is the one on the ground, the one it talks about that outer gate. That's not the new Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven, <laughs> okay? It's two different two different dogs, okay? It's two different buildings. Well, this is for sin offering sacrifice. What he just got through talking about. We'll find out why after a while.
4: Go ahead. Verse 40. And at the side without, as one goeth up to the entry of the north gate, were two tables and on the other side, which was at the porch of the gate, were two tables. Four tables were on this side, and four tables on that side. By the side of the gate, eight tables, whereupon they slew their sacrifices. And the four tables were of hewn stone for the burnt offering of a cubit and a half long, and a cubit and a half broad, and one cubit high, whereupon also they laid the instruments wherewith they slew the burnt offering and the sacrifice and within were hooks and hand broad that's a measurement and hand broad fastened round about and upon the tables was the flesh of the offering and without the inner gate were the chambers of the singers in the inner court which was at the side of the north gate
1: Oh, going to be a choir huh Okay.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: Cool. And their prospect was toward the south, one at the side of the east gate having the prospect toward the north. And he said unto me, This chamber, whose prospect is toward the south, is for the priests, the keepers of the charge of the house. And the chamber whose prospect is toward the north is for the priests, the keepers of the charge of the altar. These are the sons of Zadok among the sons of Levi, which come near to the Lord to minister unto him. So he measured the court, and hundred cubits long, and an hundred cubits broad, four square, and the altar that was before the house. And he brought me to the porch of the house, and measured each, por- each post of the porch, five cubits on this side, and five cubits on that side and the breadth of the gate was three cubits on this side and three cubits on that side. The length of the porch was twenty cubits, and the breadth, eleven cubits. And he brought me by the steps whereby they went up to it, and there were pillars by the post, one on this side and another on that side. End of chapter.
1: Okay, both days. Okay, chapter
4: forty-one.
2: In um Revelation 21 it talks about the temple four square.
1: No, that's that's uh, that, that that um that's talking about the new Jerusalem. That it's, right. it's earlier in uh it's earlier in the book. It's it's just it's start it start it's in the first 3 verses of uh 6 7 8 9 it it's in the early part of Revelation.
4: Okay. Mhm.
1: But it, that that will, I'll check will it out later. Okay. Yeah, that's fine.
2: Ezekiel 41, verse 1. Afterward, he brought me to the temple and measured the posts, six cubits broad on the one side and six cubits broad on the other side, which was the breadth of the tabernacle. And the breadth of the door was ten cubits and the sides of the door were 5 cubits on the one side and 5 cubits on the other side.
1: So and this he ma- is, this is so important. The Lord is so detailed with this. He's not this detailed with the new Jerusalem. He's not this detailed with the new Jerusalem.
2: Yes, mhm.
1: It's amazing. There there's some there's there's more here than meets the eye. I don't know what it is. I'm just telling you it's important. It's important. Like I said, the measurements in New Jerusalem, ain't it don't even go into no detail hardly. Just enough to let you know they're not the same. Continue on, Brother Dave.
2: And he measured the length thereof, 40 cubits, and the breadth, 20 cubits. Then went he inward and measured the post of the door, two cubits, and the door, six cubits, And the breadth of the door, seven cubits. So he measured the length thereof, twenty cubits, and the breadth, twenty cubits, before the temple. And he said unto me, This is the most holy place. That would be the chamber where the Lord himself is, would it
1: not?
0: Mm, It would be.
2: Yes, the most holy place. After he measured the, would the Ark of the Covenant be moved there? Mm Mm-hmm. Hmm. After he measured the wall of the house six cubits, and the breadth of every side chamber four cubits round about the house on this every side.
1: Now that you mention the Ark of the Covenant, I'll just throw this at you: there's two Ark of Covenants. One in heaven, and there's one on earth. Hmm. And this is. Oh, earth. I
2: thought the one was moved to heaven.
1: That's so what they pay, try to claim because they can't mm-hmm. nobody find the one that's still here on Earth. Uh, okay. Mm-hmm. But you'll have a temple here on Earth, that you'll have the new. You'll have a Jerusalem here on Earth, and a new yeah. Jerusalem that's floating around in the sky.
0: That's and very true. And one will
1: have an ark in it, which it tells mm. you it has the ark in it in the Book of Revelation. And yes. you'll have one on this one here, right, right here, as above, huh. so below.
2: Okay, hey, sounds right to me. After he measured the wall of the house, six cubits in the breadth of of every side chamber, four cubits round about the house on every side. And the side chambers were three, one over another, and thirty in order. And they entered into the wall which was of the house for the side chambers round about. And they might have hold, but they had not hold in the wall of the house. And there was an enlarging and a winding about still upward to the side chambers, for the winding about of the house went still upward round about the house. Therefore the breadth of the house was still upward, and so increased from the lowest chamber to the highest by the midst. I saw also the height of the house round about, the foundations of the side chambers, were a full reed of six great cubits. The thickness of the wall, which was for the side chamber without, was five cubits, and that which was left was the place of the side chambers that were within. And between the chambers was the wideness of twenty cubits round about the house on every side. And the doors of the side chambers were ...toward the place that was left, one door toward the north, and another door towards the south, and the breadth of the place that was left was five cubits round about. Now, the building that was before the separate place at the end toward the west was seventy cubits broad, and the wall of the building was five cubits thick round about, and the length thereof, ninety cubits. So he measured the house, and hundred cubits long, and the separate place and the building with the walls thereof, and hundred cubits
1: Don't long. Don't forget, people. This is the angel taking Ezekiel and showing him a vision from a mountain or something in the future. Don't forget, that's what this is. This is go. That's what's going on. Go ahead, brother.
2: Yes. Also, the breadth of the face of the house and of the separate place toward the east, and hundred cubits. And he measured the length of the building over against the separate place which was behind it and the galleries thereof on the one side and on the other side an hundred cubits with the inner temple and the porches of the court. The doorposts in the narrow windows and the galleries round about under their three stories over against the door sealed with wood round about and from the ground up to the windows, and the windows were covered, to that above the door, even unto an inner house, and without, and by all the wall around, about within, and without by measure. And it was made with cherubims and palm trees, so that a palm tree was between a cherub and a cherub, and every cherub had two faces so that the face of a man was toward the palm tree on the one side and the face of a young lion towards the palm tree on the other side.
1: What's wrong with well, this picture?
2: Well, in the in in uh, cherubs weren't described as having faces of lions that I remember anywhere else. No, both,
1: uh, a cherub is supposed to have four faces. <laughs> yes.
2: Yeah. An eagle and an ox, a lion and a man. Yes.
1: But here, they only have
0: two—the
1: hmm. face of a man and the face of a lion. Hmm. You say, "Why, brother Don? I don't have a clue. I don't have a clue." Eagle and ox—they're hmm. gone. The eagle and ox are gone. Yes. Why? Why would the Lord change the chair? Why? Why? the cherubim, the cherubim that are in heaven, the cherubims Ezekiel saw earlier in the in the book, the way they're outlined in the rest of the scripture, all have four faces. Not these. They all have two. What's the spiritual meaning for that? What's the application for that? I don't have a clue. I've never been able to figure it out. I, I, and I've thought and thought and thought and thought and prayed and prayed and prayed. And the Lord ain't gave me no answer yet. Maybe he'll give it to one of y'all. Or maybe that's just something we won't find out till later. Go ahead, brother. Verse
2: 20. From the ground unto above the door were cherubims and palm trees made, and on the wall of the temple.
1: The posts
2: of the temple were squared and the face of the sanctuary. The appearance of the one as the appearance of the other. The altar of wood was three cubits high, and the length thereof, two cubits, and the corners thereof, and the length thereof, and the walls thereof, were of wood.
1: I will he, give you a hint. <laughs> <laughs> I will give you an idea about the cherubs, okay? One the set of cherubs that you see that's that's described that the Lord in, in the first part of Ezekiel and in the other places is all dealing with the earth is all dealing with the world and the condition it's in today the animal kingdom the, the fowl kingdom it's dealing with all that these cherubs here are dealing with a different period of time where there's only two main things going on. That line would be the line of the tribe of Judah. And the other face would be the face of a man, would be the natural man. Now, that's just my opinion. But I think one has got to do with only this this period of time, and all the other cherubims had to do with a different period of time. I don't know that's just that's that's just the only, only thing I'll throw out there that I've that I've guessed on so go ahead brother David.
2: and the walls thereof were of wood and he said unto me this is the table that is before the Lord and the temple and the sanctuary had two doors and the two excuse me and the doors had two leaves apiece two turning leaves two leaves for the one door and two leaves for the other door. And there were made on them, on the doors of the temple, cherubims and palm trees, like as were made upon the walls. And there were thick planks upon the face of the porch without. And there were narrow windows and palm trees on the one side and on the other side. And on the sides of the porch and upon the side chambers of the house and thick planks in okay. the cat-
4: Yes, uh, Ezekiel chapter 42. Then he brought me forth into the utter court, the way toward the north, and he brought me into the chamber that was over against the separate place, and which was before the building toward the north. Before the length of an hundred cubits was the north door, and the breadth was fifty cubits. Over against the twenty, me. Over against the twenty cubits, which were for the inner court, and over against the pavement, which was for the outer court, was gallery against gallery in three stories. And before the chambers was a walk of ten cubits' breadth inward, a way of one cubit, and their doors toward the north. Now the upper chambers were shorter, for the galleries were higher than these, than the lower. And then the middlemost of the building. For they were in three stories, but had not pillars as the pillars of the courts. Therefore, the building was straightened more than the lowest, and the middlemost from the ground. And the wall that was without over against the chambers toward the utter court on the fore part of the chambers, the length thereof was fifty cubits. For the length of the chambers that were in the utter court was fifty cubits. And lo, before the temple were an hundred cubits. And from under these chambers was the entry on the east side, as one goeth into them from the utter court. The chambers were in the thickness of the wall of the court toward the east, over against the separate place, and over against the building. And the way before them was like the appearance of the chambers which were toward the north, as long as they, as long as they, and as broad as they, and all their goings out were both according to their fashions and according to their doors, and according to the doors of the chambers that were toward the south was a door in the head of the way, even the way directly before the wall toward the east, as one entereth into them. Then... Said he unto me, The north chambers and the south chambers, which are before the separate place, they be holy chambers, where the priests that approach unto the Lord shall eat the most holy things. There shall they lay the most holy things, and the meat offering, and the sin offering, and the trespass offering, for the place is holy. When the priests enter therein, then shall they not go out of the holy place into the utter court, but there they shall lay their garments wherein they minister, for they are holy, and shall put on other garments, and shall approach to those things which are for the people. Now when he had made an end of measuring the inner house, he brought me forth toward the gate whose prospect is toward the east, and measured it round about. He measured the east side with the measuring reed, 500 reeds with the measuring reed round about. He measured the north side 500 reeds with the measuring reed round about. He measured the south side 500 reeds with the measuring reed. He turned about to the west side and measured 500 reeds with the measuring reed. He measured it by the four sides. It had a wall round about 500 reeds long and 500 broad make a separation between the sanctuary and the profane place. Profane. End of chapter.
1: One more profane. chapter, Brother David, and we'll shut it down for
3: tonight.
4: Uh, brother David, brother David, testing one, two. The,
3: uh, yeah,
2: Revelations chapter 11, I believe, was where that verse about the outer okay. court...
1: Read it, read it for us.
2: Okay, and uh, I'll start at uh, Revelation 11, verse 1. And there was given me a reed like unto a rod, and the angel stood, saying, Rise, and measure the temple of God, and the altar, and them that worship therein. But the court, which is without the temple, leave out, and measure it not. For it is given unto the Gentiles, and the holy city shall they tread underfoot forty and two months.
1: Okay. That's good enough. That's the only place you hear anything about a temple other than when this temple here in the millennium that goes on out into eternity, which we're going to find out as we keep on reading. And um, in New Jerusalem, that never comes to the earth. Thank you, Brother David. That's chapter 11, okay? Yes. Read chapter 43, and we'll shut her down for tonight. Yes,
2: 43, verse 1. Afterward, he brought me to the gate, even the gate that looketh toward the east. And, behold, the glory of the God of Israel came from the way of the east, and his voice was like a noise of many waters, and the earth shined with his glory. And it was according to the appearance of the vision which I saw, even according to the vision that I saw when I came to destroy the city. And the visions were like the vision that I saw by the river Chebar, and I fell upon my face. And the glory of the Lord came into the house by the way of the gate, whose prospect is toward the east. So the Spirit took me up and brought me into the inner court. And behold, the glory of the Lord filled the house. And I heard him speaking unto me out of the house. And the man stood by me. And he said unto me, Son of man, the place of my throne and the place of the soles of my feet, where I will dwell in the midst of the children of Israel forever, and my holy name shall the house of Israel no more defile, neither they nor their kings by their whoredom, nor by the carcasses of their kings in their high places.
1: Y'all got that? That's forever. And ain't got jack squat to do with something that's going to get tore down and burn up. It goes on out into eternity. This place here on earth for a reason. For the his he just said his people, his natural Israel. And then them back I put meat on their bones in their heart and put a law in their heart and all that stuff earlier. <laughs> Guess I am got to come in and worship him. We're we're with him day and night
3: in the new Jerusalem.
1: Oh, there's all kinds of stuff. Oh, go ahead, Brother Dave.
2: Yeah, the interesting thing I was thinking about earlier today when I was looking at this is that, you know, Ezekiel was a time traveler.
1: Absolutely true. Brother.
0: Yeah,
1: he traveled I, I've been wanting to say that for a long time. I just said <laughs> and I'm glad you went ahead and said it. And there is another place in the Scripture. I'll find it for you all. One of these days, when I run back across it, when I'm going back through the book again, that that it actually that not only does it is one of the prophets time travel, he travels it's like goes from one spot to another spot instantaneously. He carries a bunch of people with him. I forget it's, it's either it's, Elijah, it's Elias, I Elisha. Elisha, I think is the one that does it. He's got some people then he they're one spot one second and another spot the another second. If you're not reading close you'll never catch it. But it's just like they they, they it's like they went from um it, it's like they went from um Damascus to to Jerusalem in a in a nanosecond.
2: Wow! Yeah,
1: I'll show that to y'all. Or I'll, I'll dig that up and show yep. it to y'all. And nobody, the Lord can travel. Nobody ever mentions a word about it, but I'm glad you brought up time traveling business because that's exactly what's going on here.
2: Go ahead. Yeah, because you hear people talking about it, and is it possible? But if you read the book, you'd say yes, it is. <laughs>
1: Ezekiel certainly God, all did. All things are possible. Absolutely.
2: Amen. Ezekiel 43 verse 8 In their setting of their threshold by my thresholds and their posts by my posts and the wall between me and them they have even defiled my holy name by their abominations that they have committed whereof I have consumed them in my anger. Now let them put away their whoredom and the carcasses of their kings far from me and I will dwell in the midst of them forever. The the in um kings the they were buried in the city of David right. by the temple. Yep. Right? Yep. And and the Lord said, These things are defiling me.
4: And, uh, and
2: and yet all the Israelites and the Judites, you know, their kings were like revered, you know, they're okay. mighty kings and God saying, Get these carcasses out of here. They defile me. Well, you weren't allowed to bring dead things into the temple. Nope. And so it's strange that they brought them to the city of David. But anyway, you know, continue.
1: Folks, now just 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 off topic for just a second, but one of the grandest things, one of the biggest proofs, one of the biggest proofs of the going from the old covenant to the new covenant, one of the biggest proofs that there is in the Word of God is the renting of the veil. Yes. Do y'all realize how big that sucker was? And how thick it was? I remember
2: and something like five or ten tons. like
1: Unbelievable. And tons, God yeah. had rented in twain, showing, showing Israel right then that the old covenant was gone. The old Mosaic Covenant was over. It was gone. The veil was rent. It could never be fixed again. It could never be redone.
2: Yeah, and it was rent from the top down.
1: From the top to the bottom, absolutely. Yeah,
2: yeah. God reached down from...
1: And all these people... I'm not going to get started on them, and we'll be here for another 30 minutes. Go ahead, Brother Dave.
2: Verse 10. Thou son of man, shew the house... "...to the house of Israel, that they may be ashamed of their iniquities, and let them measure the pattern. And if they be ashamed of all that they have done, shew them the form of the house and the fashion thereof and the goings out thereof, and the comings in thereof, and all the forms thereof, and all the ordinances thereof, and all the forms thereof, and all the laws thereof, and write it in their sight, that they may keep the whole form thereof, and all the ordinances thereof, and do them.
1: Okay, Brother Chad, go to Colossians chapter 2, read the last ten verses. Okay. Now, Paul gave you a warning this was coming. He knew it, but he couldn't talk about it, but he did give you a warning. I went there before and showed you nobody knows why this is in the New Testament. Or I say nobody. Yes, they do. Some of the better Bible students out there has got a clue about it. Okay? But not none of these reprobates out there, these Yahootie do these, they don't have a clue.
4: mm. No interesting. I, I read through Colossians twice last night, all four chapters. Colossians chapter two, I'll just read 11 on at, at the chapter I 16, mark. So. I think. Oh, it's 16?
0: Yeah.
4: Okay. 16 on. Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of an holy day or of the new moon or of the Sabbath days, which are a shadow of things to come.
1: They're a shadow of things to come. They're coming back. Paul is saying they're coming back. Here they are. I'm here. Here they are in the Ezekiel Temple. The law law of the house. Not the law of Moses, the law of the house. You're fixing to find that out. Go ahead, Brother David.
2: Okay, back to Ezekiel chapter 43 and... Verse 12. This is the law of the house. Upon the top of the mountains, the whole limit thereof, round about, shall be most holy. Behold, this is the law of the house. And these are the measures of the altar after the cubits. The cubit is a cubit and a handbreadth. Even the bottom shall be a cubit.
1: And did y'all notice, did y'all notice he, he said, if they're ashamed of their sin, You remember me talking about being ashamed? Who are these people he's talking about if they are ashamed of their iniquity? Well, you read about them in 36 and 37. You read about them in the resurrection of the bones. Yes. (laughs) Go ahead, brother.
2: Even the bottom shall be a cubit, and the breadth a cubit, and the border thereof by the edge thereof round about shall be a span, and this shall be the higher place of the altar. And from the bottom upon the ground, even to the lower settle, shall be two cubits, and the breadth one cubit. And from the lesser settle, even to the greater settle, shall be four cubits, and the breadth one cubit. So the altar shall be four cubits. And from the altar and upward shall be four horns, and the altar shall be 12 cubits long, 12 broad square in the four squares thereof, and the settle shall be 14 cubits long, and 14 broad in the four squares thereof, and the border shall, the, excuse me, and the border about it shall be half a cubit, and the bottom thereof shall be a cubit about. And his stairs shall look toward the east. And he, shall, and he said unto me, Son of man, thus saith the Lord God, these are the ordinances of the altar, in the day when they shall make it, to offer burnt offerings thereon, and to sprinkle blood thereon. And thou shalt give to the priests, the Levites, that be of the seed of Zadok, which approach. Excuse me, and get a drink of water.
3: And thou shalt give to the priests, the Levites,
2: that be of the seed of Zadok, which approach unto me, to minister unto me, saith the Lord God, a young bullock for a sin offering. And thou shalt take of the blood thereof, and put it on the four horns of it, and on the four corners of the settle, and upon the border round about. Round about. Thus shalt thou cleanse and purge it. Thou shalt take the bullet also of the sin offering, and he shall burn it in the appointed place of the house, without the sanctuary. And on the second day thou shalt offer a kid of the goats, Without blemish for a sin offering, and they shall cleanse the altar, as they did cleanse it with the bullock.
1: What sin? And the blood of, God's, of the, and the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. After making one sacrifice for sin forever, He sat down at the right hand of the Father of God, at the right hand of the Father, to make a intercession for us. You see you see the problem, folks? You see the reconciliation problem. you see why nobody wants to touch it?
2: Yes, yes,
1: continue on, brother.
2: When thou hast made an end of cleansing it, thou shalt offer a young bullock without blemish and a ram out of the flock without blemish, and thou shalt offer them before the Lord. And the priests shall cast salt upon them. And they shall offer them up for a burnt offering unto the Lord. Seven days shalt thou prepare every day a goat for a sin offering. They shall also prepare a young bullock and a ram out of the flock without blemish. Seven days shall they purge the altar and purify it. And they shall consecrate themselves. And when these days are expired, it shall be that upon the eighth day, and so forward, the priests shall make your burnt offerings upon the altar, and your peace offerings, and I will accept you, saith the Lord God. Yes,
1: that's that's a trip, folks. I'm telling you, it's a trip.
2: You're... you're, Nothing about... Being accepted by the blood of Jesus,
1: not at all, because the blood of Jesus Christ is done taking care of every bit of it, but these people are made to do it all over again, just like it had something to do with their sin they're made to re- they're made to redo the whole law of the house, not the law of Moses, not the law of Mount Sinai, but the law of the house. They're made to obey these ordinances you're going to see later on, new moons and Sabbath days like Paul talks about in Colossians 2 that's coming back. But the blood, do you say, well, what the Bible says the blood the, uh, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us of all sin. It does cleanse us from all sin, us. Amen. It sure does. It cleanses the world. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, and whosoever believeth in him should not perish but everlasting life. That blood does cover the whole world's sins.
3: It does.
1: This covenant here is not taking effect yet. Even though it's covered by the blood of Christ. These people are going to have, there's an element they have to work for that if, they, if they're ashamed of their iniquity and their sin, they have to go through all this rigmarole. This is why I keep warning some of the, some of the people that fly through here. And because I'm not talking about a Jew and the white all the time, they they leave. And because I'm not using Yahuwah or some Yahahu Utah or something like that, they run out of here. You what? That just let them run. just just just. They're, are they, if they're Israelites and they turn their back on the Lord after a full gospel message, it's bad. It's going to be bad, bad news for the ones. You say, what about the ones that never heard? They get here's their opportunity right here. Here's their opportunity right here.
2: This would consume most of your day.
1: Absolutely. Between working
2: and then coming back home and doing all these sacrifices or before you go to work, and
1: that's right, and later it. on in the last few chapters,'re going to talk about employment and work and fishermen catching fish and going to talk about all that stuff that's going to go on, about families and children and these are just natural people. These are not the angel like the angels of the Lord that neither marry nor are given in marriage. These are not like us the body of Christ that have a body just like Christ who will fashion our body and liken it unto his glorious body. It does not yet appear when he, what we shall be but we know when he shall appear we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. We know what he looks like and what he did because of the Gospels. That's putting the scriptures together folks to paint the picture. To get right doctrine, not heresy, and false doctrine. That's why nobody will deal with this 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 book, this last eight chapters. They won't deal with it because they don't know how to reconcile it. They don't know how to put the thing together. They don't know how it fits together like that painting I keep telling you about. And like Brother Joe said in his letter, he doesn't understand certain things sometimes, but later on, like he said, the light switch goes off. The Holy Spirit will reveal, as long as you'll walk in the light God gives you with a pure heart and accept God's word for what he said, he'll give you more light to walk in, and he'll keep lighting those lamps in front of you and keep you down the correct path and true of his truth that he wants you to know he'll continue on and the Holy Spirit was given to reveal all truth to us that's the way it works folks and you can't find one out of 50,000 so-called Bible teachers that'll tell you what I just told you that's how that's how a debased and backslidden, in what a wretched shape the church and the body of Christ is in today. That's how far away we've gotten from the truth. But the Lord, knew, the Lord knew that's the way it was going to be because that's the way it is with natural man. That's the way it is with civilization. It's all circle, folk. Like we went through the book of Judges, they get right, praise God, hallelujah, glory to God. Next thing they're doing, they're messing around drunk and laying around with women and idolaters and everything. And then they get their head beat on and then they all praise God, hallelujah, we're going to serve you, Lord. Yes, praise God, hallelujah. And the next thing you know, boop, bump that head again. But one of these days, the head bumpings are going to stop. For us, it's already stopped. The new man—it's done stop. We can't ever sin again. There'll never be any will. There never be any sin for the new creature in Christ. Never, ever. Can't sin. Can never sin again. I said the new man. I didn't say this old flesh you're dragging around. That has lust and desires and carnal greed greed and and lying and cheating and stealing and and I'm, and all that stuff and, I, and idolatry and all that yes idolatry just in a different form covetousness i'm not talking about that old bad old man I'm talking about the new man if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature, The old, old things are passed away, all things are become new. As long as you're in Christ, you got it made. That's why I warn all the time. Got, you, 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 you keep on Utah and y'all doing, okay? Just keep right on down that road. Revelation done told you how to name and not no man knew. What makes you think you know it? You read it the other night, didn't you, Brother Chad? Oh, yes. Yes, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a trip. Brother Dave, Business us in a word of prayer. Yes.
2: <clears throat> Father, we come tonight and we give you thanks, Lord, for your word. We give you thanks for the book of Ezekiel. We thank you for revealing these things to us that the Israelites who have not received the blood of Jesus Christ are positioned from the foundation of the world to do this to repeat the laws, the law of the house and we thank you Lord that you have mercy on them and allow them this second chance, this opportunity even though it is a thousand year works opportunity which is a long time. I pray Lord that our brothers and sisters around the world, the Israelites, the children of God, the bride of the Father. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that they're drawn by the Holy Spirit to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I pray that all those within the sounds of our voice tonight that download this later on, that they would indeed, Lord, receive the lord jesus christ Praise as father. their lord and savior and that they would be in the new jerusalem and not here in this four square four square temple on the earth lord and father in the name of jesus i pray that we would continue every day to serve the lord jesus christ in a fervent ardent manner not in a manner like these people who must be in a dragging their feet mundane way doing these religious rituals over and over which I know a little bit about being a Catholic doing the most boring rituals over and over and over it must be torment and yet it has to be done to qualify and Father we give thanks that we can serve the lord jesus christ every day with the holy spirit in a new way a freshness every day by the spirit of god and serving the lord jesus christ is not boring but we commune with the living god in our spirit and have that freshness and joy of the holy ghost it's possible to have it every day it's possible although we don't experience it every day it's possible if we seek you, to serve you in freshness and newness of life every day. And I pray that, Lord, for us, that we would serve you with newness of life by the Spirit every day. And, Lord, I lift up to you Merv's brother-in-law, who's going this weekend to get his bladder removed. Yes, Father. I believe Yeah, John his brother-in-law, that he's having his bladder removed this Tuesday, Lord. And I just pray for him that the surgery would be entirely acceptable, entirely perfect, that there would be no infections, that there would be no complications, that you would guide the doctor's hands, Lord, and that the ailment that led to this, that he'd be healed from, I believe it's cancer, whatever that ailment was, Lord, I pray that he be totally healed from it and that he serve you the rest of his days with fervency. In Jesus' name, I give thanks for this. And, Lord, I pray that the the coming teachings on the book of Ezekiel, that we would all be blessed with the revelations by the Holy Spirit about the lord jesus christ in this coming temple the law of the house and that our brothers and sisters would come closer to you and those who are not saved lord draw them out to the teachings those cia ci people lord that don't believe that this is what's going to be their place if they don't receive the lord jesus christ that they get convicted of it, Father. In Jesus' name, I give you thanks for this. In Jesus' name, so be it. Amen.
0: Amen.
1: Amen. And, folks, let me tell you something. This second-chance business. In a way, it, it, it's not a second chance. If somebody spits in Jesus Christ's face and rejects the Word of God, let, let me. there's a caveat to that verse in, in 1 Corinthians 2. Real quick, Brother Chad, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and go down there to where, it, I think it starts around verse 8 or 10 or 9, 11, where it says, I have not seen. I want you to go there and read. I'm going to show you there's a caveat to this, this this God revealing things to you. There's a caveat. The Holy Spirit was sent to lead and guide you into all truth, but there's a caveat to it, see. There's a caveat to it. Our brother Don Harp's about it all the time. The caveat to it. It ain't just going to float out of the sky into your head, into your spirit. The caveat. Let's read that and see what that caveat is.
4: Okay. First uh, Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of a man, things which God hath prepared for them that love him but God hath revealed them unto us by his spirit for the spirit searcheth all things yea the deep things of God
1: did anybody catch the caveat
3: but did anybody catch what the caveat to all that is To them that love him. Yes. Amen.
1: To them that love him. See, this book discerns the thoughts and intents of the heart. And if the thoughts and intents of the heart are wrong, the revelation's not going to come. Anyway, contact information, Brother Dave.
2: Yes, the contact information for Don Spears Ministries. The telephone number is 3- three four three nine seven two three three three. The email address is respect to the Lord at Yahoo dot com. And you can go to PayPal and you can enter Pastor Don's account, which is his email, which is respect to the Lord at Yahoo.com. And at PayPal, you can make an offering to this ministry and to the Lord Jesus Christ. And you can send your cards and letters and requests and offerings by mail to Pastor Don's home address at 3155 Louisville Street, apartment D1, Clio, Alabama, zip code 36017. That's three six zero one seven. Thanks for listening, everyone.
1: Man, good job, guys. It's good to have you back, brother Chad. I missed you like a hog missus slop, brother.
0: <laughs> Amen, brother. I'll call you tomorrow, right? <laughs> yeah,
1: give me a call tomorrow, and uh, and we'll catch up. Okay, folks. Listen, yeah. listen, listen. Let me tell you something. When Paul talked to the Ephesian elders, and he told he told them. He had not shunned to declare to them all the counsel of God. They got puffed up. They got heady. They got their doctrine absolutely spot on. But the Lord still had something against them because they left their first love. See, it tells you that in Revelation. They got their doctrine spot on. I mean, they were taught by the best, and they obeyed. They got their doctrinal issues absolutely correct, but they lacked one thing. They lost their first love, and that was love for the Lord Jesus Christ. And folks, that love is the, the grace. That word grace is so magnificent, and you, Paul called this period of time the dispensation of the grace of God. And this this, this dispensing of the grace of God this time period that we're in now, I don't know how much longer it's going to last. But there's been preachers in times past, I'm not the originator of it, they said that the word grace meant God's riches at Christ's expense. And that's exactly what, what it does mean. Everything that you've been given, you're given a new body. You're going to be given a new, sinless body that can never sin. That that is supernaturally things beyond words that you could possibly imagine. That you'll be able to do with an enjoyment with a with, a, with an enjoyment that's so supernaturally greater than any kind of worldly high you could possibly imagine. And never ever have to worry about displacing the Father again. That's reserved for you.
3: Under grace. That's not for this bunch.
1: That's reserved for you. That's reserved for the bride. As it should be. As any husband should treat
3: his wife that way
1: I just wish there was some magic words that I could say that would increase your love for the Lord Jesus exponentially to where tomorrow morning when you woke up the the, the symbolically the the that shining light of the grace of God would just. Flood your heart to the point where all the tear, symbolic tears of joy would rain all day long down for your your appreciation, your thanksgiving to God for the opportunity that he's given you to be called his son and to be a member of the bride of Christ. Love each and every one of you. And Lord willing, we'll try to wrap this, this series up Sunday night and we'll get back into Matthew and Genesis and the book of Enoch next week. I love each and every one of you. May God's grace and mercy go with each and every one of you that are his. God bless you and good night. Good night everyone.
2: Good night all.